and welcome in to this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network, also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine that includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green, and yes, we're here. After a couple of weeks away, you know football season is right around the corner. We're going to be locked in for the long haul every week here on Gator Bites. As Denny, you look at the calendar, it's the 11th day of August that we're recording this. We are three and a half weeks away from Florida and Florida Atlantic and summer conditioning slash fall practice, whatever you want to call it, is basically a weekend down there in Gainesville, and uh, the boys are getting after it, getting ready for the 2021 season. Yeah, it's uh, it's a now it's a grind. During the summer, it's a lot of you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of what's the right word? It's a lot of um, you you, you got a little freer schedule, but when you're there, it's hell. Yeah, right. But now it's 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, up until you know the week before the first game for these guys and for the coaches, um, kind of recruiting comes to a little bit of a halt while you go through this and and uh, and things like that. But yeah, I mean it's here. It, it's we're we're right in the thick of it. You know we've been spending a lot of time at Jags camp, which which kind of you know gets you into the football mood a little bit, even though it's still 120 degrees outside. Oh man, is it ever? Um, imagine having a helmet on. Oof. And shoulder pads. Yeah. And, and actually I mean, getting hit by 300-pound D linemen. Yeah, and that's what these guys, you know, that's what these guys are going through. So, yeah, it's, it's all systems go at Florida. Big year. I mean, a lot of question marks going into the year. I think more question marks this year uh, than what we've had since Dan Mullen got there, um, and which also coincides with, by the way, his recruits starting to take over. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he won a lot of games with Jim McElwain guys. Um, and so now I think, you know, now it's, it's really, where is Dan Mullen on the, in the, in the coaching order for not just the SEC, but the country based on how his recruits develop and perform. We got a lot to cover. We haven't been with you for a couple of weeks. So there's a lot that has transpired. Let's rewind the clock back a little bit, but I only want to look at it, Denny, through a Florida Gator point of view. This is a Gator podcast after all. So from a Gator fan point, a Gator football program standpoint, the additions, whether they're next year and two years, whenever, we know they are coming, of Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12 to the SEC. It's a formality at this point. It's not a matter of if but when. But from a Florida Gator point of view, what do the additions of Texas and Oklahoma mean to the Gators moving forward? Well, I mean, I think depending on the way the SEC lines this up, right, it may not mean a whole lot to them. It may not mean may not affect them except for once every few years. Well, twice every four years with right. two teams, yeah. Right, so it's – it's. Uh, I mean, I think that's cool. I want to see Florida play Texas. I want to see Florida play Oklahoma. I think that's different, and it's cool. What, what it does do, though, is it lines their pockets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what everybody's looking at is now, you know, whatever that budget was, now that budget gets upped by, you know, I don't know, making this up 20 25% because those are two big brands. Right. Right. That's going to add a ton of TV revenue and a ton of exposure to already, you know, the 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 most valuable conference that there is. So I think it it has the same effect on Florida that it has on everyone. And and that's 
it's going to help you be able to do things at a higher level because you're going to have greater resources. I guess the question for Gator fans, the question I get the most, I imagine it's one of the ones you get the most, and it's maybe the most obvious question. What does it mean from a scheduling point of view? With 16 teams, will it be as simple as eight two-team divisions? And in that case, we've seen all the the uh, suggestions to move Alabama and Auburn to the east, put Texas and Oklahoma in the west, and then those are your two eight-team divisions, which that would mean playing Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn every year if you're the Gators. Or we've seen SEC Network and other people provide ideas of four four-team pods, and the pod I saw was Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. You play them every year, the three other teams in your pod, then you divvy up the other three pods, play two teams a year, but that would mean Florida would lose the annual matchups with Tennessee, with LSU, with Vanderbilt. Needless to say, something is going to change about the Florida schedule. I'm curious which side you're on, how you want to see the SEC do it. I mean, I get the tradition part of things, but I think you know these annual rivalries are – I think it's time to admit maybe a thing of the past with the new way that college football is operating with the expanded playoffs. With a couple of exceptions, like Florida, and it's not an SEC thing. You got to have Florida, Florida State, right, 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 and you got to have but, Florida, Georgia. Yeah, but there, even some of those in other areas have been affected. You know what I mean? Like, like um, Texas, Texas A and M. You know when they moved um, out of the same conference, I don't think they played that game anymore. No, they don't. No. Yeah. So I mean, they will now that Texas is right. That has happened in other places. At some point, it's going to happen. It's going to affect your favorite team in the SEC. That's going to happen. I like the pod idea. Uh, I think that makes a little bit more sense um, as far as consistency, because the one thing that we know about football, where I think the ACC has messed up royally, is they tried to line it up based on. Not as much geographically, but a, a lot of where they thought the power would be. And they and wanted Miami and Florida State to play in the conference championship right. game, and it's never happened. And so, it's college football is so cyclical that you just can't do that, right? And so, I, I think you you go to something that you say, okay, geographically it makes sense. Um, you're going to get your fair share of playing, you know, other teams uh, inside the conference, and so your fans are going to be happy. I think. Conferences have learned their lesson on that is is what's relevant today may not be relevant in five years. And you can even look at Alabama and you can say, OK, how long is Nick Saban going to be there um, before you start lining everything up for a 30 year plan based around where Alabama is? There's going to come a point in that 30 years where Alabama isn't Alabama anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So so you, you just you can't do that. So I think the pod system makes sense. Um, you know how you get to the championship game is the question and things like that how many games you're playing, um, all of those are valid questions. Well, the the one, and again, I tend to believe the SEC Network, when they released this right after that story came out about Texas and Oklahoma joining, I tend to think the network owned by the SEC might have a little insight. It had Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. That was pot A, if you will. Pot B was Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Pod C was the two Mississippi schools with A&M and LSU. And pod four or D was Arkansas, Missouri, Texas, Oklahoma. And if you look at the way they did it, there would be nine conference games Mm -hmm. because you would play the three teams in your pod and you would play two teams from each additional pod. 
And what I liked about it is in all four different pods, you had two really good teams, blue bloods, whatever you want to call them. You had Florida and Georgia together. You had Alabama-Auburn together. You had LSU-A&M together. You had Texas and Oklahoma together. And then you had two teams that, quite frankly, would be the underdogs every year. Like in Florida's pod, it was Kentucky-South Carolina. In Alabama's pod, it was Tennessee-Vandy, so on and so forth. So the way it was divvied up during that presentation, I thought was pretty interesting. And I thought that was a way, potentially, this could work out to a fair way to all for all to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think whatever they're going to do, they've got to protect the two biggest neutral site rivalry games in college football. Yes. Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia. Yeah, there's only really three. You had Army-Navy, and those are the three. Right, but the, the, the Army-Navy's pageantry. Right, right. Yes. But the two meaningful games that everybody pays attention to are those two. And you have to protect Tennessee-Alabama, and I think you got to protect – see, now Georgia would lose Auburn in this case, and I think there are going to be a lot of people that would be upset about that. Yeah, they'll be all right in two years. I mean, that's the thing. People are going to be upset about anything you do. And when I say you got to protect those, the reason why you've got to protect those is they generate so much revenue for your conference. Um, and, and, and because of the guaranteed money that Jacksonville and Dallas provide to those. Auburn, Auburn Georgia, is going to, that, that week's going to sell out either way. right? There's not going to be a revenue difference. So if we're, if we're looking at this from a money angle, those games can go away. Well, not well, okay. So you're not not to put words in your mouth, but the history and the pageantry of the rivalry, the oldest rivalry in the South, mm-hmm. Auburn Georgia. You would be okay if I don't give that a, wasn't played I every year. I don't give a damn about that game. Really? No. All right. I don't care. Like, I, 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 well, mean, I mean, I don't have I don't have a, a dog in the fight, but I watch Georgia Auburn every year. Growing up in the South, I'll it, that's I'll put it from a Florida perspective. I don't give a crap about Tennessee Florida anymore. Well. Tennessee. But I bet if you lost Georgia, and I know you were what you said about the neutral site yeah. game, but if you lost Georgia, but you'd see, have issue the with same, that. Okay, see, they're in the same pod. Now, now you, I don't know, maybe I would. I probably would, but here's the reality. My 19-year-old and my 10-year-old in three years couldn't care less. I mean, we're, we're let's let's age appropriate this. Like, I mean, you're... you're well, it's kind of like I am with Florida-Auburn. Florida-Auburn was a huge rivalry. I, Florida Auburn went away, I think, in 2002. Mm-hmm. I was 18 years old. I don't appreciate Florida Auburn like people 10, 15, 20 years older than me because I didn't get to experience Florida Auburn every single year Florida in the LSU. 70s, 80s, 90s. Right. Now you've got we Florida LSU. LSU. That's what I'm saying. Like Something will replace it. And will, will people be mad about it? Sure, they'll be mad about it. Will they stop watching? No. Will they stop supporting Georgia? No. Will they stop supporting Auburn? No. Will they stop chanting SEC? At stadiums, no. Like, it's just kind of with good is bad. I'll tell you a funny story about Florida-Auburn. Again, I can't appreciate it. I was born in 1983 on the Saturday of Florida-Auburn. Yeah. My father and the doctor both asked to induce my mother at 8 a.m. so that both of them could go watch See, the game fantastic. that afternoon. That's fantastic. So that's, that's what Florida-Auburn means in my family. Now, Florida went on to lose that game in 1983. But to your point... Gator fans kind of got over mm-hmm. losing Auburn the way other teams are going to have to get over losing games. Bottom line, because uh, I want to move on to the Gators in 2021. I know you do as well. Good for the conference, good for college football, what the SEC absolutely. is doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's what we were talking about this five, ten years ago. The Super Conference, we're just heading in that direction. 
So I, I think it's fantastic on the heels of the expanded playoffs. I think this is a fantastic move that's going to do nothing but grow the sport. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good doctor, Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. 2021 Gators. I want to focus on one guy on the defense because everywhere you look, he's on award watch lists. Every mock draft you look, he's in the top 10 or top 15. Are you, Denny Thompson, as high on cornerback Kyir Elam as seemingly everybody else is? Yeah, but the only reason I am is because what college coaches talk, the way college coaches talk about him. And not just Florida coaches, other coaches as well. Um, uh, this guy's ball skills are off the chart. His, his, his ability is off the charts. Even last year on a bad defense, he didn't have a bad year. And, and, you know, that's kind of a selfish thing that you don't want to say if you're Kyir Elam, but it's true. He, he was really good last year, um, and the expectations for him this year, not just in Gainesville but everywhere else, is he is a avoid-that-guy type of shutdown corner. We're going to game plan around where he's going to be. Where he's going to succeed is if Florida can get – the front four pressure they anticipate and that they're thus far showing through spring and camp, um, Kyrie Elam could be a top five draft pick. Mm-hmm. If if quarterbacks have to get rid of the ball uh, in quickly and you don't have to send extra guys to get home, um, Kyrie Elam can lock down a guy and and either not get thrown at or end up with, with having seven picks on the year. Well, let me ask you this. Kyrie Elam, compare him to the last two Gator corners – that have gone in the top 10. I believe that's C.J. Henderson and Joe Hayden. Is he C.J. Henderson? Is he Joe Hayden? Is he better than those guys? I, I think he is better than those guys because I think he's the full package. Like, he's got the twitchiness. He's fast. He's long, right? He's what you want in today's corner. It's I don't I don't need today's corner to run, you know, a 4-3. That's not – and he may, by the way. But what you need is you need – Quick hips, flexible hips, and you need that twitchiness about you because you're going to guess wrong on a route. You're going uh, to at some point to have to recover. Recovery speed is not long speed. Recovery speed is those first two to three steps. You know, can I make up ground? But the bigger thing in today's game that's a lot different than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago or DBs are taught to attack the ball. Mm-hmm. It, when it hits their hands, attack the ball. That is a much harder thing to do than what people realize he is – elite at that the, the catch is not secure until the whistle is blown with him well let me ask you this Kyrie Elam Trey Dean Zach Carter Irvin Dexter Brenton Cox Ventrell Miller I mean you go on down the line Jeremiah Moon yep got a lot of guys that played a lot of football that's a really good defense on paper and all of those guys played last year when the defense was absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. So, what are realistic expectations? I mean, are you gonna, are they gonna snap their fingers and instantly turn on the juice and be a top ten defense? Are they going to be average? Are they going to be bad again? I mean, they're all back from last year. I think if you talk to the staff at Florida, they'll tell you that they're 
they didn't use those guys the right way. And I think some of that is them taking the heat off the guys, right? I mean, we talked about this. It's a combination of Grantham and a combination of you're an elite athlete make a play of what happened last year. But if you put the guys in the right position and you take thinking out of the game and you let them be who they are, um, they the expectation hack should be that they are one of the two or three best defenses in the league, if not the best. Um, they have, from a personnel standpoint, they can match up with anybody. Mm-hmm. The most important thing at every single level is, like I said earlier, can you get home with four or five? If you have to blitz one to the weak or two to the strength to get home, you're going to get picked apart with the way quarterbacks are, are operating these days and offenses are operating. Can you play – can you come in and out of press man? Can you take away RPOs? Can you control the run and and fit up the run without somebody getting dominated, Right. They have the personnel to do that. Now it's up to Grantham to make it structurally sound, simple enough where they can line up and they can just play football. And if they do that, um, they could be one of the best defenses Florida's had since you know Muschamp was here. Got two pretty big uh, transfers too: Newkirk from Auburn to Shelton from Penn State. A couple other guys as well, but those are the two guys on the line. You'd have to think that guys with Big Ten experience and SEC experience that you add to that defensive line. There's no way that's going to hinder anything that can only help improve that Gator front seven. Well, I think if you think about, you know, the person listening to this, if you think about whatever job you're in now and you think about the first year you were at that job and the way you walked into that job, the way you performed, the way you thought about that job, and then you look at the second year and third year and assuming you had the same job, the level of confidence and comfortable, how comfortable you were, and your performance and all that kind of stuff, it becomes a natural act. The same thing happens in college football mm-hmm. and same with the NFL. Um, every level of football is there's a newness to it. There's a nervousness about it when you first get there. There's a I haven't seen everything, right? I, I You know, if you're in sales and you go to a meeting and somebody gives you an objection, uh, an objection that you don't really know how to handle, two years later you do. Right. It's the same thing. Somebody gives you a formation you're not sure to handle. You, somebody gives you – you know, a run look, a, a personnel package that, oh, crap, I you know, I know we went over this on defense, but I don't know how to handle. Those guys are all a year older. Well, it's like you go first day of school in Duval County was yesterday. You go into your ninth grade year. Three years from now or two years from now, you go into your 11th grade That's year. Right. You're a different human being. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah, forget the growth physically. Right. You Just know, mentally but, but the maturity and, the, and how comfortable you are and how confident you are and you know what to expect, right? That's what happens – probably more so at college football than at any other level is and that's why you see guys every single year just come out of nowhere and it's cool with what I get to do with quarterbacks is to see that developmental process right and to see that maturity and and that confidence rise that's the next step for Florida's defense right now Ty Grantham's been doing this long enough he should have seen everything by now mm-hmm. right so if you're Ty Grantham you have now your job is on the line because you have all the talent around you you have as talent as much talent as you've had since you were at Georgia you better perform this year. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists, the Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. All right, Denny, as we begin to wrap up Gator Bites, we focus on the defense. You look at the special teams, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I hope not, because I don't know anything about them. Well, and that's kind of my point. <laughs> the Gators have had Eddie Pinero. Uh-huh. They've had Evan McPherson. They've had really, really, really good kickers. 
since Dan Mullen has arrived in Gainesville. You got to wonder, man. And I know, I know they've recruited and they think they're okay there, but the kicking game is so vital, particularly when you're going to be in battles with the Alabamas of the world, the LSUs of the world, the Georgias of the world. And look, offensively, you're going to be good. Defensively, we hope they're improved. Some games may come down to special teams. I'm going to be very curious to see what happens with that unit moving forward because you don't have an All-American kicker back there anymore. It's going to be curious to see, uh, and punter and, and everything, everything that goes with it, how much they focus on special teams in fall practice leading into the regular season. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put this by association. Since Dan Mullen is part of the Urban Meyer tree, and I know what Urban Meyer puts into special teams. I mean, you've seen him at Jag practices, yeah. and he was like that at Florida. Um, that's his thing. Like he, that's where he knows you make up points and make up yardage. Um, I'm gonna assume Dan Mullen coming from that is taking a similar approach. And at that level, man, if if you have attention to detail and you have any talent at all, you can win the special teams battle. It's it's that area in college that's still kind of weird and discombobulated that goes away in the NFL. The mm-hmm. NFL special teams are a million times better than than college special teams. Like college kicker lines up for a 35-yarder. It's like, I don't know. All right, NFL guy lines up. It's, I'm going to go get popcorn. It's, it's automatic. It's basically an extra point now in, in the NFL. Right, right. So, I mean, I'm just going to assume that Dan Mullen, I don't know this, takes the same approach as what Urban Meyer took when he was at Florida – and if that's the case, there's a heavy emphasis this time of year on special teams. We'll do more of the offense next year. That's your specialty. You're working six points, like you said, with quarterbacks. Uh, but Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, you know both guys very well. You trained Anthony for a few years now. Uh, what's your thought here as we get deeper into fall camp? What are the Gator coaches' objectives with those quarterbacks as Florida Atlantic now only three and a half weeks away? I think at this point the main thing they're trying to do is find out where both of them are comfortable. You go into camp with a full playbook, and then you start to whittle down a little bit. There's some install you add to once you find the concepts that your team and your quarterback are comfortable with. And then there's just some concepts that quarterbacks weren't built for or you don't have the personnel for, and so you start to whittle those away. right? So I think right now they're looking at both of those guys, and they're saying, okay, this is where um, they thrive at and so let's do more of this and so i think that's probably the process they're going through right now in gainesville that is denny thompson i'm the hacker ryan green denny you at the station man you're kind of like i don't know if you're the utility infielder but jose okendo i hear you in the morning in the afternoon middays i mean what's kind of what's your deal now you're gonna be on like every show on 1010 xl this football season i when you when you find out what my deal is let me know I, I, i'm not real sure i know i'm doing yeah i'm literally doing every show um at least once a week you'll be on with us on xl prime time yes time still to be determined yep yep still working through that so yeah during football season i will be on uh every show during the week um and then we'll continue this as well so yeah the utility hitter here that's no, good stuff man you get gator bites every week here on 1010xl.com and on the Florida Gator 1010xl Facebook page next week. Hard to believe. You know, Florida plays September 4th, Labor Day weekend. There is a week zero. That's August the 29th. We're two and a half weeks away. Who is it? UCF Boise State, oh. NC State South Florida, Nebraska, Illinois. There are actually some games. Wow. Two and a half weeks away. We'll be that much closer next week. Denny will do it again in seven days. Can't wait. The Gator Bites, 1010xl.com.